Um, well, it kind of just happened organically, I guess I'd say. Um, I ran the Boston Marathon 2013, the year of the bombing. And um, after that, I just did some personal kind of self-expression paintings about the Boston Marathon and um, continued to paint the scenes for the Boston Marathon that year and decided to do a little show at um, Marathon Sports mm-hmm. in Boston just to raise some money for the One Fund, which is the Boston Marathon bombing charity. Right. And um, people just really responded well to those paintings. And so I continued to make Boston Marathon paintings. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And AT&T found me online. And it became a little niche uh, that I had. And so I, I've just continued doing that ever since. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre. Skincare for athletes. Whether you're in the gym, on the mats, on the road, or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to soulpre.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is an artist and runner. She won the Brooklyn Marathon in 2015. Um, if you ran Boston in 2016, you may have seen some of her artwork because she did the artwork for the AT&T display at the Boston Marathon then. Um, she's also a steeplechase national club champion. Welcome to the show, Hope Phelan. Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, we obviously, we got to, so if you are listening on iTunes, you're missing out on the visuals, um, especially since Hope is an artist. So we've got, I assume, uh, a piece of work that you've done behind you there. Yes, yep. This is one of the paintings I did for AT&T in 2016, one of my Boston Marathon works. So how how does that gig come about? Because, I mean, I um, I am not a working artist by any stretch of the imagination, but I do things from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I have So I have friends who would like to be working artists, and I know that it can be difficult getting, you know, paid work. Mm-hmm. How do you you know, get to the point that you're working for AT&T of all, of all people to do a commissioned work? Um, well, it kind of just happened organically, I guess I'd say. Um, I ran the Boston Marathon 2013, the year of the bombing. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I just did some personal kind of self-expression paintings about the Boston Marathon and um, continued to paint the scenes for the Boston Marathon that year and decided to do a little show at um marathon sports mm-hmm. in boston just to raise some money for the one fund which is the boston marathon bombing charity right and um people just really responded well to those paintings and so i continued to make boston marathon paintings and um it just kind of took off from there and at&t found me online and it became a little niche uh, that i had and so i i've just continued doing that ever since so I guess we'll, we'll go back to um, Boston with the bombing. I mean, were you still on the course at that point in time? Had you already finished? I was really lucky. I'd already finished about an hour before the bomb went off. I was um, one street over on Newberry Street, if you're familiar with Boston, okay. um, waiting for some friends, you know, to gathering and uh, mm-hmm. trying to find everybody and, and heard the bombs go off, but I didn't see them. Um, and just saw people running and screaming and we were just kind of confused like what had happened yeah. i just thought a car had backfired or something you know nothing i didn't right. seem first obviously um but then people were saying 
that there's like a lot of blood, we have to evacuate the area. Um, and the cell service was down too. So we really didn't know what had happened. Um, so I just uh, started walking back to my apartment because I didn't know what else to do. And then, you know, eventually an hour or so later found out the whole story. So, yeah, does, it was a very scary that, time. Yeah, does that, I mean, so you're almost, uh, it's like I understand, so you're saying you didn't think it was a bomb, obviously. And I think that's something that maybe sometimes we as Americans forget, like we're engaged as a country in like all these wars, but like we don't live in a country where wars are being engaged. Like we don't have to think about, you know, soldiers coming into our towns and blowing things up or occupying areas. No. And so it's not even in our consciousness that like things like that can happen. Yeah, no, I didn't think there was anything like that had happened when, no. Yeah, it seemed very surreal. Even when people were saying it, I was like, no, it couldn't be that bad, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Does that, like, wash... So, like, after you got back to your apartment and then, you know, the... Um, not proceeding. The, the weeks later, does mm-hmm. that does that reality wash over you? Or how does that... Does it even affect you, you know, moving forward from there? Uh, yeah, I think that was kind of why I started doing the paintings because I was just kind of trying to make sense of out of the whole thing. I was kind of, you know, it was some like new territory, I guess. You've never experienced it before. Uh, we were uh, for, I'd say, maybe 48 hours after the bombing, we were supposed to stay inside because they were doing the manhunt trying to find the bombers, too. Oh, yeah. And um, I had some friends in Watertown where they ended up finding him who were uh, caught in, like, uh, crossfires and hiding under the cars and sending videos and it was just like so so strange because you're just not used to that like you said we're not living in a war-torn area and it was just like what's going on here where where are we living and um so that's when I was you know stuck in my apartment for a couple days and making these paintings and it kind of just came yeah came out of me (laughs) Yeah. yeah And so you you continue to do it now. So I would assume that, you know, your paintings of other years are not just centered around, like, the thoughts and emotions around the bombing, but other aspects of the race. Yeah. Um, the year after that, I, I, mean, I made a couple right then that were mostly just emotional, like, abstract expressionists, a little with runners in them. Um, mm-hmm. But then after that, I didn't want to highlight anything bad about the marathon I wanted to bring the joy back into the race and um you know move away from that so the rest of my paintings the ones I made for at and 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 beyond are all happy and <laughs> centered around how amazing Boston Marathon is the the joy the support and uh how Boston rallied and came back and the race continues to be awesome today and yeah yeah um do you I think I read something about that um do you donate proceeds from the from selling the paintings to uh the fund for the the families affected by the bombing or was that just a, a oh, initially just a show that I did the next year oh, okay yeah donated some of those proceeds to the one fund okay so is this is since um as Joe kind of gave me your bio, you know, you being an artist and runner, are you, do you work full-time as an artist? 
Uh, I work part time as an elementary school art teacher, and okay. the other part of the time as a, a working artist. I would still consider that. I know people give teachers a hard time, but like, especially like, I'll say art teachers or music teachers, where it's like, you know, obviously everybody knows the saying, you know, if you can't do teach, but it's like the best people that teach are the ones that also do. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, I'm not. No, I, I would consider you a working artist if you're getting paid to do works, but you also teach. Like, that's, I think that's perfectly acceptable, at least in my book. <laughs> It's kind of the best of both worlds also because uh, for a while, right after college, I was exclusively freelancing yeah. and it's just, it's so stressful, <laughs> you know, not yeah. getting a steady paycheck first of all, and then health insurance and all that stuff. So I work, um, I teach three days a week and the rest of the time I can work on my artwork and I think it's a, a good balance and it's also nice to get out and talk to people and, mm -hmm. you know, it gets a little lonely if you're in your studio all day, every day with your yeah. own thoughts <laughs> like all the paintings start certainly turning to like somber hues and <laughs> slowly you're like i'm gonna do a whole scheme in gray like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and children are so inspirational too like they're the artwork they make is it's um uninhibited and uh just you know lovely full of joy and that sometimes i bring that inspiration back to my studio with me so yeah this is like do you do you have to get into a state where it's like you so like um, for racing? So this makes sense too. I mean, you you know you have a you probably have a routine, your warm up routine before you go run your race. Do you have like a similar kind of I'll call it a warm up routine, but to paint where it's like you know I I get out the paints, I lay lay them out in a certain pattern, I you know get my brushes out I there, there's like a certain kind of methodology you get to get in the zone for painting yeah um I mean it's not as routine as running you know running okay. I'm like I need to eat four hours beforehand I need right, to be, right. uh exact about that painting it's kind of when the mood strikes you I feel like you sometimes you're just in the right headspace and and it comes out and it's just flowing just right you know yeah and um I do paint very gesturally, so I would say I do kind of uh, do a little warm up, just kind of some gestural marks, do kind of doodles, I guess, mm -hmm. um, on a separate piece of paper, um, and then start on whatever I'm working on. And I start very loosely usually. I, I do mostly watercolors or um, like the work behind me right now is wet on wet acrylic. Okay. So the beginning layer is just very loose and um, almost abstract. You're just kind of getting blocking in the colors mm -hmm. and then you start to build it up layer by layer and then work on the details later in the painting. So that's kind of like a warm up within a painting, I guess. Yeah. And so you do like the kind of classic method where you're doing like an underpainting and then painting over and... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. That's the art background coming out. I, I, was, I was glad you said acrylics. I was curious because it looks like acrylics. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked working with oils. I, I don't remember why I preferred oils, but, um, and I don't really paint much anymore. If I draw, it's like, it's going to be graphite or I'm going to get, I like charcoals. I like oh. working with charcoals. Then I don't have to worry about the color aspect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just all, since I do it so so infrequently, for me, I almost find, talking about like kind of getting in the mood or, or like 
finding your own inspiration for a work. I I almost find I'll draw, I'll find I'll have a period of maybe a month every year where I draw and it's often this like weird still almost depressive time in the middle of winter where oh, my yeah. where my mind kind of I'll say calms down but like there's a very specific time when I'm like I feel like I need to draw something or do something and it's this just very interesting mood and I don't know how to get into it other than it just happens in the winter time so I'm always curious to see like you know how you stay productive or like uh, the artists I work with that I hire for for projects you know how they just continue to output creative things all the time Mm -hmm. I think the winter is definitely a great time especially I'm in rural Vermont and snowed in a lot and you're inside more so you're just there with your paints and it's a nice time to create artwork for sure Mm -hmm. but I also love working outside uh and plein air I do love like outdoor painting especially with watercolors I can take them around they're portable Mm -hmm. the different seasons here are all inspirational in their own way you know the fall the beautiful do you have any watercolor pieces here on hand with you hmm I probably could go get one (laughs) not like right next to me but um, I was just curious. I was just curious to see it. Like I, I love the look of watercolors, mm-hmm. but I always found them very difficult to work with for my temperament. I mm-hmm. think it. I always feel like the different mediums have a little bit to do with who you are and how you feel, totally. as to like how you relate to how like the medium reacts. You know the different pressures and and the way it mixes and blends and the colors you can get. My sister really. Um, she really gels well with watercolors and I just, I could never quite figure it out, but they're very beautiful. Once you yeah. can like the people that do you handle have to them. let go. Let the <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> it's like a lack of control. I enjoy it cause it's, it's free form and a little more gestural, mm-hmm. but my husband's the same way. He does not enjoy the watercolors cause they have a mind of their own sometimes. Yeah. I, I think you probably hit the nail on the head for me. I'm like, no, I need, I need to be like, I need to tell the paint what to do, not let the paint tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the same way. He's like pen and paper, pencil, needs to make his little marks and be able to erase it if it's coming out not exactly the way he planned. <laughs> yeah. So, But I enjoy the freeness. Yeah. Um, so maybe before we go, we'll see if we can grab one of those. Um, but Joe mentioned that you have some kind of new works coming up that are maybe not Boston related that you you wanted to talk about? Um, well, I have a mural that just went up in downtown Brattleboro. Okay. It is running related. Um, it I did it for Girls on the Run Vermont. They sponsored it. And uh, if you're in downtown Brattleboro, it's kind of across from Mocha Joe's. Uh, and it's just a painting of kind of similar to my Boston Marathon ones, a, okay. a group of um, girls running down the street in downtown Brattleboro. And, just the shops and restaurants and the river there. So do you have yeah. a do you have a photo of it? I do. Um, if you don't, yeah. I, I was just gonna say if you can send it to me, we can superimpose yeah. it on the video. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, hopefully that's up on the, on the video now. If you're on iTunes, obviously you're missing out. But um, yeah, I was like being able to like show you know, the stuff you got going on, which is nice. Like having the photo, the painting in the background. Um, so it, 
they they commissioned you to do it just as like an inspiration for the for the group or is there another like purpose behind it um well they had reached out to every one in Vermont, because, you know, there's not a lot of people in Vermont. Right. <laughs> run the Boston Marathon, all the women, I guess, and just said, um, congratulations and uh, thanks for representing Vermont. And um, we hope that you can help out by coaching if your school has a girls on the run team. And I said, my school does have a girls on the run team and I, I help out sometimes, but they already have a coach. And um, but I would love to make a painting for you if, you know, um, so that's how I ended up making that one in downtown Brattleboro. And I also made a painting for them that they auctioned off mm -hmm. to raise money for their charity. So do you have, um, is there like an underlying purpose or mission with your work? Is it, are you trying to like, it seems like obviously you're, you have a lot of running focused um, works, which on the surface it could be like, Okay, she loves running, <laughs> but obviously, I, I well, I mean, not obviously, but I don't think that is the entire motivation for why you create the works. Um, so, do you do you? I guess do you have a purpose, or are you? Do you feel like you're spreading anything besides like awareness of running as you share your works with other people? I think it's just kind of expressing the feeling um, that you get when you're running one of these races, or just some of them are just running in the woods also. Uh, it's something you don't really know unless you are a runner, I think, because a mm -hmm. lot of people are like, oh, running is so, it's so hard, it hurts, it's horrible, and mm -hmm. I just feel like the complete opposite. I feel so free and alive when I'm running, and um, so I, I think that's part of what I like to express in my artwork. Uh, also, since my work's very gestural, it has a lot of movement into it. Um, mm -hmm. I want to express that in some running paintings that I've seen in the past. You know, they're very sterile. It's almost like a photograph, like a still frame. Yeah. And so I like to have like the motion and the movement and uh, the crowd and all the different elements work, you know, because it's, it's not one thing when you're running. It's not just, oh, my legs hurt. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. you see the crowd cheering you feel the sun on your back you have all these different emotions going on so i kind of try and express all of these things encompassing in one painting i guess that's yeah yeah see i was just so i went on a run this morning and i was for whatever reason I, i'm not quite sure i was thinking about the um guys i ran with in college and just feel like i kind of missed those guys because there's and you i'm sure experienced this at least to a greater or lesser degree in your collegiate career, just like there's something about that kind of uh, shared struggle that you spend mm -hmm. with your teammates season over season. And even as they, you know, you get older and the younger people come in and the older people, like just, it's never changing team, but you still, at least for me, I find something where it's like, I still feel connected to those guys even if now they are, you know, in far flung reaches of, you know, the U S nowhere near where I am now, it, it's still like if they showed up and wanted to go for a run, we could just pick, pick up right where we left off. Mm -hmm. And yeah, camaraderie uh, on yeah. the country team or track team. Right. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. 
running in college is the best thing ever. I agree. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. How did you adjust after college? Because I know I had probably 18, 24 months of just like a tough adjustment of moving to doing everything on my own, basically. Yeah. Well, I um, moved back to Boston after college. Okay. Uh, I went to Wash U in St. Louis, but I moved back to Boston and I joined Greater Boston Track Club. And it's a very similar uh, college vibe. Everyone is really tight knit and goes for long runs on the weekends together. And then we get brunch and we do workouts at Reggie Lewis every week. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was kind of like college part two, which was awesome. Yeah. It was really hard moving away. That was like my my group in Boston. It was so, so much fun to run with. But um, we, you know, we wanted to move somewhere rural and Living in Vermont's amazing too, but I do miss Boston, especially because of Greater Boston Track Club is the best club. So the so you're leaving Boston to go to rural Vermont just to have green pastures, or oh, a little bit. Um, yeah, my husband and I both want to start a little homestead farm. Okay. So we had done some woofing. I don't know if you're familiar you're with woofing, but it's um, mm-hmm. worldwide organic farming. Okay thing where you can kind of volunteer on farms in exchange for room and board so okay i do know what you're talking about now i just didn't know the term yeah for a honeymoon we decided to take a road trip and um from down the east coast from maine to florida and we stopped at a couple farms and did some woofing there and mm-hmm. we just loved it so we were like we want to start a little homestead farm and um we wanted to buy a home boston's getting really crowded expensive and mm-hmm. uh have a studio and finding space in boston for that is not easy either yeah. so <laughs> uh, but i feel like we ha- we have a pretty great setup out here we're only two hours from boston still mm-hmm. so we can go back and visit you know friends and family back there and um we have a lot of space and great dirt roads and trails to run on so i, I love it out here so are you are you a working farm do you have like are you do you have things that you produce or uh, is it just like anything. it's for okay. You know, yeah, just for our own consumption, but we raise pigs and um, chickens and vegetables. So we have a, we have like a fair number since, so I'm in Kansas City. So we have a fair number of outlying like rural areas and people that have small farms, some that are, I'll say, kind of homestead and they just raise for themselves. And then we have others. Um, There's a local place called Green Dirt Farms and they make uh, sheep cheese so that's kind of their like unique thing. It's not goat cheese, it's sheep cheese. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious since you made the move, if you're like, oh yeah, we also, you know, I produce somehow produce US merino wool or like <laughs> not do something currently. Like that. Although we were thinking we'd like to um we both love to felt and spin. We did that mm-hmm. at one of the farms that uh, we went to. So we we're thinking, you know, at some point maybe we'd have Angora goats or sheep or something for the wool. And I'd love to have a little dye garden so I could dye the wool different colors and, and do that kind of natural artwork. I think that would be really nice. I'd love to move in that direction at some point, but we haven't totally got there yet. Yeah. Well, obviously not to be like, you have to do this. So, but just like, <laughs> I, I know that, so we have, you know, a really large kind of urbanization movement where people are trying to move into the city, but w- along with that, and I think partially because of it, people also end up being like fascinated by farms. Mm-hmm. So they're like, let's go visit. So like we have a, a local dairy 
that um, supplies, like I make ice cream with their products. Nice. And they have, you can go visit and go see the cows and how the farm works. And mm -hmm. same thing with Green Dirt Farms. You can go visit and they'll do meals and stuff. Obviously, those are not like year one kind of activities where right. they, they didn't open <laughs> and then immediately do those things. But just like, I think there's certainly an opportunity to be like, this is our life. And, you know, we want to share with you some of the things we do, mm -hmm. which I, I don't know. I love, I always, I, in the entrepreneurship, entrepreneur circles, it's kind of referred to as giving value, which is kind of vague and nebulous talk, but just like giving back to people and sharing things with people and enhancing their lives. And I kind of feel like, if you had the opportunity to do that, you're kind of in this unique position where you have this place and you've got, at least in my opinion, this kind of um, open heart of sharing these emotions through your works, where it's like, you, I feel like you would probably be a good person to be able to kind of share the experience with and sit down and have dinner with, you know, over, you know, whatever table you guys might set up at your place. Yeah, so. we we have uh, all sorts of visions for our homestead, but uh, one thing that we would love to do is we have 30 acres of wood, so we'd love to do a trail system through there and uh, okay. make a sculpture garden, kind of like walk. And uh, we have a yurt, too, that we would, like, would love to have artwork in or like have people stay in. But we, we haven't fully you know, realized the goals yet because we've only been here for a couple of years. So Yeah, but, yeah. You'll have to keep me updated as things progress because I think just – I don't. I, it's obviously it's presumptuous of me because we've only been speaking for like a half hour. But just <laughs> my, my impression of you is that you're resourceful. So and I, I just see that, and then the kind of raw resources you have to work with, and I'm like, you're gonna do some cool stuff. I want to see what you're doing. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. So thinking about running, um, I'm always curious how people get into running because you know obviously i think we kind of share that similar thread we're like it's not just about physical activity for us it's mm -hmm. it's more than that um did you start as a kid i mean when how, how does that come about in your life yeah I, I did it in high school um and then just couldn't imagine giving it up even though i wasn't great in high school um, i was just kind of an average runner i suppose and um I knew I was going to go to Washington University in St. Louis. So I emailed the coach just to see, you know, could I try out for the team? And he was like, well, you're not, your times really aren't very good. Yeah. Um, but you can try out. And he said, I said, okay, well, what, what do you suggest I do over the summer? And he basically said, you know, do one long run, 90 minutes and one workout, like a fire workout. And, um, I just upped my mileage a lot. You know, in high school, you don't really, especially if you're not on a very competitive team, I just kind of was doing it for fun, but I just loved mm -hmm. it. Um, so I just upped my mileage a lot and tried out and um, ended up being the fastest freshman coming in. And so <laughs> that was pretty cool. And then I just have kept doing it ever since because I just love it so much. Yeah. It's, it's always a little bit gratifying, especially in that kind of situation where it's like almost no expectations, like, coach is like yeah. Yeah, i don't you know you can come out if you want i guess and then you're like really showing up that i feel like that's gotta feel pretty nice 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. And it just, you know, it shows you just, the more you run, the better you get at it. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are born with natural talent, but also it's something you really can just work at and, and get a lot better, which is really nice. Yeah. There's um, a swim coach I talked to. So after I, I ran in college and then transitioned to triathlon and I kind of worked with the college's swim coach for a little while and he always said, and I think this applies to running too, is that he, the sprinters, he was just like, it's genetic. They're, they're either fast or they're not. And there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot you can do about that. There is some training, but he was like, he loved working with the distance swimmers because it, it was all about hard work. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's still some genetic component, but he was like, there's much more play in terms of how you train them and how good they can get through training alone than just being limited by that genetic component. Mm-hmm. I know, that's a, a kind of special thing about our sport, I think. Yeah. So then, this is the other thing I love to ask, because I've only, you're the only, the, I think, the second person I've had on that does a steeplechase, so I did the steeplechase as well. What convinces you to do the steeplechase? Because I, I, people come to it from different reasons. I'm sure you saw there were plenty of teams that are like, you're not good at anything else, so go do the steeplechase. <laughs> Was it was it that it doesn't sound like you came at it from that approach. So how do you get get to there? Um, I I did gymnastics all up until uh, senior year of high school. So mm-hmm. my coach just thought I'd be good at it and said you should give it a try. And it's so much fun. I love that event. It's a great event. How did the first one? I this is why I love to talk about with steeplechasers. How, how did the very first time go? If you remember. Um. I think it went slowly and painfully, but um, fairly well. Besides that, no, like, <laughs> you know, no major wipeouts, and uh, made it to the end of the race. And yeah, I was hooked after that. Loved it. Yeah, it, it's it, much like it's to me. It's almost like another level of running, where it's like you talk to people, like you mentioned earlier. You talk to people, and they're like, "Why do you run?" And then you're like, oh, yeah, I do the steeplechase. It's like, what's that? And you're like, oh, there's, if I remember right, 24 barriers and then and then uh, seven jumps over the, the pit. And people are like, wait, why do you do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. That sounds even worse. And, like, and then you say, it is, with a smile on your face. <laughs> yep, exactly. But it's also so gratifying. And uh, I don't know. There's just... There's something fun about it, you know, getting all wet and yeah, kind of like jostling for position in the water pit. And it, it's more like, um, what's it called? Uh, like an optical, obstacle course, like a Tough Mudder or something. It's like mm-hmm. that level of, it's just fun. I always felt, the, the reason I asked about the first time is because I know, so I mean, we trained for it and like you're doing hurdles in practice, doing like, you know, 400 800 meter repeats with hurdles so you get used to going over the hurdles and then also running and despite all that training i just remember the very first time my lungs being on fire by the end of it just (laughs) incredible suffering and i was just like i why did i decide i wanted to do this i mean continue to do it but i just remember it being incredibly painful to me and then as I ask, that seems to be the common experience with almost anybody. So that's why I like to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hit the wall in that event like no other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we're not really, you know, 
we're not really built to run and jump over and over and over and over again. That's like a, it's, it's like it's like a what did I say? It's almost it's like a very brutal fart lick because mm-hmm. you're already running at top speed, but you also have to put in these little bursts every 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, and hope that you don't crash into the barrier and wipe out. Yeah, that was I can't remember what my coach always said. He had a phrase basically it was like, you know, hurdlers don't have to worry about the hurdle so much. If they hit a hurdle, the hurdle will move. If you hit a barrier, you're the one that's going right. to move. The barrier's not going anywhere. You're going down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you apparently loved it enough to continue after college. You're saying there weren't a lot. I think this was before we got going. You're mentioning mm-hmm. um, there weren't a ton of people doing the steeplechase post-collegiately. Um, mm-hmm. So why why continue? I, apparently you liked it that much, but I mean, why not just be like, uh, I'm going to do the other stuff that doesn't hurt as much. Well, I just, I knew I heard hurdling and I, I, I just liked the event. I don't know. I just wanted to keep doing it. And um, I guess I kind of ended my co- collegiate career a little bit like, I was a little annoyed at how I didn't ever make it to, cl- uh, to nationals mm-hmm. for the steeplechase because um, one year I broke my ankle in the water pit, landed on a little funny. And okay. <laughs> then senior year, it was, I had one last chance kind of to make it. And, um, it was the night of graduation and I convinced my parents to drive me up to Chicago to do this like last chance meet. And, uh, somebody, the girl behind me jumped on me in the water jump and spiked my ankle oh. and I had to go to the emergency room and get stitches. So I was kind of like, oh, like unfinished business. So I, yeah, so I couldn't give it up quite yet. Had to keep doing it a little bit post-collegiately. Yeah. When you were saying you thought that was 2014, 2015, somewhere in there um, and you mm-hmm. graduated in 2010. So it, it wasn't just a matter of like doing it the next year. I mean, that's a, that's a few, that's, I mean, that's a whole collegiate career later that you're still after it. So it had to have bothered you it was, uh, at least a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I didn't um, do it very many times. They don't have very many races post-collegiately that ha- offer the steeplechase. Right. But um, just, you know, when, when one of them give it a shot. Yeah. So what are you doing now? So now we're... This is the same kind of position I'm in, where we're basically ten years post college. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, starting to slow down, maybe just a little bit, trying to stave that off. Um, still running marathons. Mm-hmm. What What's the plan now? Um, I had a baby in December, okay. so that uh, put a little damper on my career for a little while. Are you not? You're, so you're um, not. You're just the lady yeah. like that's nine months pregnant, finishing a marathon. No, I ran half with him when I was maybe three months pregnant. But, um, and yeah, so I did stop for a while. And then giving birth, of course, you can't run for a little while. So right. I'm just getting back into it now. Really nice. It feels good to be back. And my dog appreciates it wherever he is. <laughs> He's my running buddy, and he has been going crazy with me not running. Mango, come here. Say hi. Mango. <laughs> He's being stubborn. That's but, okay. um, 
Yeah, so I'm just getting back into it now. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping that I can run a qualifying marathon this year so that I can run Boston next year. So I, hopefully, you know, the qualifiers you need to be in by September. So hopefully sometime this summer I can try and run one. We'll see if I'm in good enough shape by then. I would say, That's you know, so I was obviously giving us both a hard time about getting older, but uh, <laughs> as far as marathon times go, if there's any inspiration. So one of my um, high school coaches, she ran at uh, KU and she, a couple the last few years, she's felt like, you know, I'm getting older. I'm getting slower. I'm just not going to do anything. And she finally figured out that she had, I don't know if she had, um, like an iron deficiency, mm-hmm. but she did something and kind of broke through and then has been running her best marathon times ever. And she's now in her, I want to say early forties. Wow. So it, it can still continue, especially with those longer yeah. distances. Like you got plenty of time. So yeah. no matter what happens, I would just say, stay the course. Don't worry about it. Do it. You know, if you want to do it, keep doing it. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think our bodies have, especially in those longer distances, I think we've got more room to run. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> then, you know, than we think we do. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, they said peak is mid thirties, I think for marathon. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I think I still have a couple good years, hopefully. <laughs> and I I would love to break three hours. I don't know if it will happen, but yeah. it would be, that'd be great. But, you know, had to take some time off to have a baby, and, and that was definitely worth it. So not regretting that at all. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I hope that what you find is that time off serves you better than mm-hmm. just continuing through. I know that for the longest time, over a decade, I, I only took off maybe a week or two weeks consecutively in a year at all. And then several years back, um, my coach said, okay, you need to take like three to four weeks off between seasons. And there's definitely a curve getting back in, but I noticed my ability to improve Mm -hmm. was much greater having taken that little longer rest period and really fully recuperating. So I'm, you know, like I said, I'm hoping that you, actually see that as a, a positive thing over time as you get back into it yeah that would be great i'm definitely feeling like mentally ready because taking time off you're like oh i just want to get back out there <laughs> yeah yeah so i this is kind of the news of the day um so i was i saw stuff about boston and they're trying to figure out whether they cancel this year yeah because of the coronavirus um I know we, this is, as this recording comes out, it will be several weeks past this, but this is, as we're doing the recording, this is basically the weekend for all the St. Patrick's Day parades here in town that have now all been canceled. Right. Um, and like Kansas City has declared a state of emergency and every gatherings over a thousand people are canceled and yeah. um, the race this weekend was camp- canceled and NCAA tournaments canceled and everything's canceled. I know. Um. So I'm wondering in your neck of the woods, since you're in kind of a rural area, are you being affected much? Are people, as you know, are people hoarding toilet paper where you are? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't noticed much because I've been on maternity leave. So I'm just pulled up at home anyways. But um, I did, our school was canceled for a couple of days just to like sanitize everything and make sure 
I don't know. I, I think people don't really know what to do. So they're, they're attempting to make some sort of precautions, but uh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been affected too much that I've noticed. Yeah. Well, my, my thought is if Boston cancels, um, what kind of painting do you do for that race? I know it's interesting. I heard that they're going to move it to September. So, okay. um, I guess maybe some more fall colors instead of okay. spring. Okay. Know. See, I hadn't seen that, that they would move it, which makes sense. It being such an iconic race, you don't want to just like outright cancel it if you don't have to. Yeah. Especially for the people who qualified. It's, right. It'd be kind of a bummer for them not to be able to run, especially if they're coming from, you know, another country or this is their one opportunity to run, which it is right. for some people. Kind well, of the all, event of a lifetime. It's, you qualify and it's a lottery, isn't it? Uh, no, not. Well, okay. So for Boston, you qualify based on your age group, there's different times and right. based on how fast, how much faster than the qualifying time, you get to sign up earlier. Okay. So just the faster you are, the earlier you get to sign up. And then once it's filled up, it's filled up. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I thought there was some, some lottery system with it. Maybe I'm thinking of Kona though, with uh, Iron Man, there is, there is a lottery system for uh, amateurs. Oh, there are. New York Marathon, Chicago, I think is a lottery now. Um, a lot of them are, but not Boston's just based on times. That seems to make sense, though, right? I mean, it's like, it's a little elitist, I suppose, but I guess that's part of the point in that yeah. <laughs> you are the fastest, so you get to go. Right. Um, and, it's, and it's just like first come, first serve. Yeah, it works similarly um, for like world championships and triathlon or. Um, yeah, for like 70.3, which is a half Ironmans, or even like the Olympic distance. If you qualified, it's top, you know, whatever, 15, 20 at a race. You have to go afterwards to sign up. If you don't, it rolls down to the next five spots, kind of first come, first serve. So, right. Which is fair, I think. Yeah, I think it's nice. And there are um, charity spots. So people run, if you haven't qualified, you can run for a charity. You have to raise yeah. money, but. Yeah. A little extra layer. Um, so I hope as we're starting to run a little bit out of time, um, the, there's a question I'm asking everybody this year, since it varies from person to person. And I, I love to hear this. I'm asking everybody, what do you think um, the purpose of sport is? Hmm. Um, I think it is maybe keeping yourself mentally, physically sharp and, uh, happy <laughs> and just uh yeah feeling alive and feeling like good about yourself i think mm -hmm. i'm not because you're accomplishing something just because you're getting out there every day and you know, moving your body and uh yeah keeps me sane so <laughs> i think it's a good thing for everyone to do <laughs> It's good. Uh, like I said, I, I love everybody's answer because everybody's different. And, you know, it could come from, like, I think we both come from this place where it's like running is more than just getting out and moving your legs. Mm -hmm. So the asking that question, at least for me, kind of gives me the opportunity to see what are people's motivations and, like, what, what feeds you, what feeds your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of the heart of, like, what I'm after. So I appreciate you answering it. Um, 
Hope, if people want to find you, see your artwork, maybe commission an artwork from you, um, where can they find you? Um, my website is paintingsbyhope.com. And that's also my Instagram, although I don't update all that often since I live kind of off the grid. <laughs> um, but yeah, so paintingsbyhope.com. And um, also my email is hopefalenart at gmail.com. Sounds good. Thanks for spending some time with me today, Hope. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Take care.